0: Yes, we'll read in uh, from Matthew 6, verses 5 to 15. And it's prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what your needs before you ask. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts and we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for if you forgive the other people when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive forgive your sins. Amen.
1: Let us just um, bring our time to the Lord in prayer again. Our dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you this evening and ask for your spirit and presence may be amongst us lord we just pray that our hearts may be open to your word and what you have to say to us as we just study this um, small passage that we have before us and we just pray that um, we may learn something new even though it may be very very familiar to most of us lord we just pray that it may be also a means of just rekindling our prayer life before you amen amen This is part of the series of the greatest sermon ever Not mine, but what Jesus taught us In the Sermon of the Mount Um, And we've come to chapter 6 And it's talking about the righteousness of others Initially, in verse 1 Stephen went through this last week I'm not going to elaborate on it again But in a sense it's the right things to do And there's the aspects which Jesus goes through Um, The first part which Stephen talked last week about giving the right thing to do is giving I'm looking at prayer tonight the right thing to do is to pray and also the right thing to do is fasting which I think Colin will be looking at next week but on all three occasions Jesus does look at the Pharisees and what they're doing as well and um, criticizes them for doing their things because they want to get righteousness themselves and there's self-justification in that so we come into prayer and what does it say to begin with it says so when you pray and Jesus says that three times when you pray in this um, first um, four or five verses from chapter five to chapter um, verse five to chapter uh, verse seven it says when you pray he says that three times to his disciples and um, It's not if, but when, which is quite a thing, really. In a sense, it's a thing that we all, people should do, Christians should do. Um, The Lord's Prayer in Luke 11 starts with the disciples saying, Lord, teach us to pray. So in a sense, it's also a taught thing. I had to think about my own personal life in that respect, of when I was taught, and I suppose it is, When I was on my mother's knee, being taught to pray. Thank the Lord for godly women, I just say to that. One of the most important jobs in this world. Um, But teaching their little ones to pray, and my mother taught me to pray, and being in the family. And then in this fellowship, being taught to pray, seeing others pray, learning from others. I suspect other people have different experiences, but that's what it was. I was a bit shocked the first time I was in an open prayer meeting where the first person prayed, and I thought, that's it, we go. And then someone else prayed, and we head still down. But it is being taught to pray. And also, it's in a sense formal prayers. We've just had um, Nathan leading us in prayer, which is in a sense is formal prayer, which is very good, and it's what we should do. Um, we have informal prayers, like we do on a Tuesday night, where... We all gather together and um, matters are shared for prayer and then we pray about them. Nothing scripted in that, but we all pray individually or one after the other. That's informal. But this really, this passage, is about individual prayer, your own personal prayer life. And that's what this is really coming to. So when he says, when you pray, I, when you pray personally in your own time, he says, when you pray... And first of all, he does look at the um, Pharisees or the hypocrites, as we call them, um, or whatever you want to refer to, and he said, you must not be like the hypocrites. And there's really four aspects of being hypocritical in praying in that respect. And we can mirror them with a personal prayer life as well. Um, The four aspects I'm gonna look at, the places, the posture, the pride, and the product of the prayer. So first of all, the place they prayed, the Pharisees, was in the temple on the street corners. I thought about the street corners; it's where two roads meet. So, you know, standing on the corner, so people can see him from either direction. You know, it's 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 for show, and these Pharisees would tend to be in nicely robed garments as well. So, you know, people would see him, and when he stands up in the synagogue, he he, he sees him. I'd like to just read. I know it's. Um, as a mirror to this passage, but I think it does emphasize what Jesus is really trying to get at. And that's in Luke 18, 9 to 14. It is a parable, but it, I think it emphasizes the point of what's going on here. So Luke chapter 18 verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous, there's that word again, righteous, and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, The other tax collector, the Pharisee, was standing there praying like this about himself. God, I thank that you are not, that I am not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing afar off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you this, that when one went down to his house justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So in a sense, we've got to have these two passages side by side, I think, to emphasize what Jesus is really saying about the Pharisees and the hypocrites in that respect. And, um, yeah, and and they're coming together. So in the place he's standing in the temple or on the street corner, first of all, so the, the public can see him and what he's doing and his posture is standing and he's verbal he's loud I think a lot of prayers are verbal um, even in that day so people could hear him praying and know what he was praying about um, again it's for the attention of men so he's really pride in action he loved to pray to be noticed so people would think he was a godly man So if anyone was standing there just looking in his direction would say, cool, look at him, all his robes and everything, but what he's saying, you know, he must be a godly man before God, you know, I'm not like that, you know. But Jesus says, what is the product of his prayer? It's really the fact that he's already been warded by men, from the praise of men. He's gaining nothing really, spiritually or eternally, in that sense. He's received, his reward in full, the praise of men, of what he has to say. So contrast to what Jesus is saying there about personal prayer, because in a sense in that, meant to be personal prayer, that was for a Pharisee. Um, Jesus says, which is the main point of this passage really, it says, go into your private room, he says, or your room in secret, or your inner room, or in the AB it says into your closet. Closet praying. We might say cupboard under the stairs. I mean. It's going to a place. In the home. And closing the door. Where there's no windows. That's the emphasis really. There's no windows. So no one can see you. From the outside looking in. And you can't see from the inside looking out. It's just you and God. And prayer. So you know. Um, so it's in the inner room that's not to say that that is the only place to pray privately because Jesus himself um, got Mark 1 35 where he went up to the mountain early in the morning he got up and went up to the mountain to pray and they were trying to find him Um, and there's other passages of people going out to pray I think Isaac went out in the hills or or on the fields to meditate and pray it says before he saw Rebecca coming and also you've got Daniel. He went into his room. And he opened up his windows. And prayed towards Jerusalem. So he, he came. But it is private. And it's not there to be noticed basically. By the people. It's just you and God. And Jesus says when you pray. And my question is do you pray? In that respect. Are you taking yourself to a, a place where you can personally open up to God. And the posture really, where the Pharisees standing up so he can be seen, is really, if we look at other passage, head bowed, humbled themselves, Father, forgive me, I'm a sinner. It it, it it's totally different in that respect. And even Jesus in Luke, on the night of his betrayal, He goes down and he's kneeling before God. That's again is a personal prayer between him and God. Um, So that's the attitude really of what we should be. It's humility, not pride in that respect. Because we are coming to God on a one to one. Where we say God have mercy on the sinner. And the product of all that is that God hears us. He does hear us. And he knows what we need. And that's where Jesus takes us in those first few verses. He says, because the Father knows the things you need before you ask him, which is a bit ironic. Why ask him if he knows, but we'll come to that later on. But yeah, therefore, he says, therefore, you should pray like this. And this is a model prayer that we're going to look at. I just mentioned this in passing when I was doing work I was praising how much through all the different strands of Christianity that we can come across. This is the one bit that is kept nearly pure. (laughs) The Lord's Prayer, as we call it. There is a bit at the end where we um, put a a doxology to it as well. But this is the Lord's Prayer. And if it's one bit of scripture that people know this is it. I think this is more well known than, I would say, than say John 3.16 or something like that in Christendom. You know, everyone says the Lord's Prayer if they come to a church of any description, nearly. And therefore it's something we could meditate on because we know it. We don't need to um, look at ent- tomes or volumes or anything like that. We do know it. So it is personal, it's private prayer. And we have this model prayer. But the first interesting thing about this prayer, it says our Father. It's not my Father, it's our Father. And it goes on, give us our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we forgive our, lead us, deliver us. There's a plurality there, and yet you're meant to be a private prayer but I think that really emphasized the fact there is a private prayer and then we are walking our own personal road before the Lord in that sense but we're also part of a family and I think that's the important part of That is, it is our personal thing but we are part of a family and like you're here tonight we're not only on our own we can look around and see others to help us if we need to Um, So we're part of a family, and then it's the father, our father, I mean, so it's a communal father, that's a relationship aspect, Um, a fatherly aspect in our lives which we should um, take on board, the father of the family. Um, So really, again, Christianity and life in general is about relationships, and it's about our relationship with our father. Um, and it's good to look at us from that a very relationship thing I think you can't choose your family (laughs) I'm one of eight kids (laughs) I can't choose my brothers and sisters they are there and I get on with them I don't fall out with them as much as possible but sometimes it happens but it's family and and they are and we can't choose our family here Christian brothers and sisters and the other thing about families is they say blood is thicker than water. I thought of that one, and I thought, "Well, yeah, the Saviour's blood saved us, and therefore His blood thicker than water in that sense." Is um, we have a, a Saviour that's died for us and shed His blood for us. So there is a, another aspect to it there, but that's going off beam a bit. So I better not do that. Better get back on track. So we look at this prayer, the model prayer, and without going through, we're going to go through it bit by bit, but there's sort of five points I want to bring out quickly on this I've been told I've got to be quick so I'm going to be quick first one's adoration, second one's consecration, third one's supplication fourth one's intercession and fifth one's protection those are sort of the five points around this prayer this model prayer, some people bought a few more there's whole books written on this um, and you know, i are doing a few minutes so first one first point of this prayer we come to it adoration which is our father hallowed be your name or your name be honoured or holy it's a request for worship really to God and nothing else um, so we should begin with worshipping God you know um, we've heard the psalm from this morning there's other psalms a lot of them you could just read them through they are worship to God you know, bless your name, O oh Lord, and all the rest of it. Um, so it goes on. So it says, you know, and who is this God we're worshipping? He says, I am, that I am. And that's a really telling statement if you really unpack it. His existence, and his ex- there's no beginning and no end to him. I am, that I am. Yeah. We are talking to a supernatural being. That takes some thinking really if we really unpack it it is a su- God is a supernatural being the one who created the heavens and the earth and we have a moment personal moment that we can actually talk to him and be with him in private you know that that's that's a should be a mind-blowing experience really if you really think about it but yeah so it's adoration worship next thing is consecration it says your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven this is really surrendering ourselves to God body soul mind spirit career money family the list goes on It says your kingdom come we looked at this last week which is very pointing to this passage where we surrender ourselves to God. Mark twelve twenty nine It says, this is the verse we read last week. Jesus answered, the most important is, listen, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our one, is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength that is a, a passage relating back to this in that sense that we are to surrender ourselves to God his kingdom not my will but yours be done his rule is absolute in a sense in that sense if we really bend our knee before him that's revolutionary in a lot of thinking when it turns the world upside down if you really think it through and I'd say a lot of people have died at the stake because of it his kingdom is supreme in our lives and that's what we pray for his will be done then we come point three supplication big words really but it says give us today our daily bread it's asking for our needs And to be specific, really, our food, our clothing, bills to pay, etc. I've come back to verse 8 where it says, Don't be lying, because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. So we're asking for our needs, and yet he knows our needs. That's a bit of a contradiction in one sense. Um, But it's what we're implored to do. It's not a bargaining point. We don't bargain with God. We can't. It's all brought and paid for in a sense. Brought and paid for on the cross. Um, we owe nothing. We have nothing. He has everything. It's so already brought and paid for. So we're not bargaining, but asking for our needs. We are needy creatures. I need God to be real in our lives. as a result of that. This is where I come to my grandson, Reuben. He's in it like us. He's a needy creature. He can't bargain or, or discuss what he wants. He just goes, <laughs> And his parents know. He needs a bottle feed, He needs a nappy changing. <laughs> he's not a, he's a needy creature like us. But he can't he's can, he just saying, I'm in need. And they respond. And that's what we're in a sense, a bit more than just a bear. But with God, we're needy creatures. Just employ what our needs are, our personal needs, and He will hear them and answer them. Not always the way we think He should answer them. There's the old fashioned saying, God answers your prayers, it's yes, no, or wait a while. But He does answer them. And I think the closer we get to God, the more we see it from God's perspective, and therefore our pleading becomes more like what God wants for us. So then the fourth thing in this is intercession. Forgive us our debts as we forgive also those who have debted against us. It's also sometimes called transgressions. It's also called sins in some version. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those sins against us. That's not a popular word these days, sin. But it is where we are as Christians, we realize that we are needy people in that sense, and we do wrong, and we need forgiveness. And we're asking God to forgive us, and therefore he's saying, we ought to forgive other people as well. I've got a quotation here from a, a Larry Stockstill, I don't know who he is, but it says, intercessions is when you stand between an offending God and an offensive person, standing between Pleading the case for thing, a good example that is Daniel. When he pleaded about um, his homeland after seventy years, he realised um, time was up in a sense, and they could go back. The punishment has been delivered. God, it's still on the people of Israel. But the prayer there is all about his sins, his forgive, his wrongdoings, his thing. And yet you'd say he's been better than most. And um, yeah pleading a case for his people to go back to the land of Israel yeah it's almost there's another quote it's almost impossible to remain bitter to someone when you're asking God to be merciful to him I think that's another good quote to think about bearing in mind we are a forgiven people by God and if your faith and trust is in God We shouldn't hold bitterness against other people. And there are many books of Christians who've had some terrible... We had a guy in this church who was a policeman. His son was killed. And he said he forgave the killers. People can't understand that from a non-Christian point of view. How could you possibly forgive people? And yet the bitterness harbors in their lives because they're not willing to let go. And they've got to, in a sense, see justice done. And then even then, they're not satisfied. Um, but we, as Christians, realize we are needy people. We need, we've asked for forgiveness, and God forgiven us, and yet, you know, there's still the people there. There's the parable, isn't there, of the... I can't remember, it was in the passage now of Scripture where um, this person was um, asking forgiveness for his own debt from the paymaster, because he had a huge debt. And he said, all right, I'll forgive you. And when he went out, he saw one of his subservient people there who owed him money, and he really had a go at him and threw him in prison, because he, he wanted him to. And yet he'd been forgiven a bigger debt. And the paymaster, when he realized what had happened, he, says he threw him back in prison. He says, yeah, we've got to remember that we've been forgiven a big debt ourselves, and therefore we do forgive others. And then, lastly, protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or better still, from the evil one. Um, yeah, providential care, you know, that's what we're really asking for, and I think that's what God does supply for us. Um, Ephesians 6, we look at with that respect, putting on the whole armour of God. Yes, in um, each piece put on with prayer, yeah, Satan is a real and we do need protection from him. I mean this business of um, Halloween and everything which I think it's a celebration of evil I can't understand it myself and people playing with fire. Satan is a real thing real person um, and we need protection from it our kids need protection from it. Yeah. The battle has been won I would say but sometimes we can have wounds and scars as a result of it. Um, Which is also true in our lives, but there we are—our failures. But we need our God's protection in that respect. That's all I want to say on that. Really, I want to, next five ten minutes, just have a personal word of testimony, really, about this. I mean, that's a theory in one respect. What is it in reality? one's life Um, so I'm coming to you as a needy person myself as well I personally have a quiet time every morning two chairs pulled together (laughs) um, in our dining room before anyone else gets up take my half a cup of tea and then have a cup of coffee and I sit down with my Bible and my Bible notes which are these encounters with God I use them because they go through passages of scripture not just a thought or a verse they over a period of fortnight three weeks they go through a whole passage that's why you chose them which is really good and yeah learn things from it um, and practical things I'm a farmer harvest today I'm a farmer and there's been things, times when you just wonder what you do and what not to do in a sense and I've reading my notes I remember um, do I cut or don't I cut for silage I mean we deal with the typical summer weather we want dry weather re- and yet it's constantly raining in May time and, um, and I remember reading my notes one day and it says keep pressing on this is on a Monday morning I knew I had the week ahead I don't like to do anything on Sunday or the weekends so I'll try and avoid that if I can and um, yeah, so I thought, well, the weather doesn't look brilliant, but it says keep pressing on, so I'll cut. And I cut, and as it happened, we had three or four dry days and I was able to get on. Um, yeah, so it's wanting a, a reality really in my life in that respect. As I say, I'm a third generation farmer. 2006, my dad died. 2009, my mother died. And to quote a certain politician, when the ball, rugby ball comes out of the scrum, you gotta deal with it. And it was handed to me <laughs> in that sense. And you've gotta run with it. Um, yeah, what to do in that respect? We had a very difficult time financially. Inherited, I suppose you can't inherit, but you do do. and a big overdraft over 400,000, which was used. The milk price was on the floor. We had bills to pay it was a springtime and all that lot. Um, yeah, we knew if we carried on farming, we'd have to invest a similar amount, half a million plus in new dairy system, which was nearly impossible. Um, I also had the death of my parents, so I had extra financial, pay out to the rest of the family as well which is adding to the cost big time um, yeah so a lot of planning meetings and stuff was going on didn't know which way to turn really eventually we had the boat draft renewed in the early part of 2010 um, but along with old draft renewed the bank sent a letter saying renew the facilities but we want to see a full sale sign outside the property as well and not only that, we're gonna send someone around in May to make sure there is a for sale sign there. That's a blow, <laughs> in a sense. Things are getting much worse. My wife turns around to me, who's doing the accounts, and she just said to me one day, she says, I've stopped paying bills, she said, we've got no more money. Normally said to me, got no more money, but I didn't take any look of that, but this time she said, we got, we're not paying, I'm not paying any more bills. I've got a bit of contingency, if people do call, which is I'm not paying any more bills now. And we're not like that, pay and be paid. That's been our policy over the years, and still is. It's the only time it happened, that is, but it, it did happen. Yeah, so what to do? We're acid rich and cash poor in a sense. We had a, whole, we had a cottage down the road, the workman's cottage, which a workman wasn't at the time, he was renting that out. But there was a young girl in there who was a single mother and that's not me, I'm not for turfing people out on the street, <laughs> just for the sake of it. And you pray about these things. I had a word with my brother Matthew, who's sitting there, who's a land agent. He said, well, I could write a, a thing, it's perfectly legal, because he did the tenancy agreement, perfectly legally to give a sort of two months notice of where it was, to, so he can evict her Like And I thought, well, that's not me. Pray about it. Next minute, I had a letter in the post from her. And she says, thank you very much, she says, but I found another property in the village, so therefore I want to give you a month's notice on my tenancy. Couldn't believe it, I thought, brilliant. I could possibly sell it now. <laughs> and they were very good, they decorated the place and everything, so it's left in a good state, which, when you know the person, you wouldn't have thought that was a thingy, but no, they very, I've got to commend for all that. So what do we do Now? put it in the market, I suppose. Or I had one or two people ring me up. I had a state agent go and value it, but I had one or two people ring me up as well and said, well, about renting it out again. I said, no, I think I'm going to rent, I'm going to um, put it on the market and sell it now. And then one Saturday morning I got in, phone goes, hello. I was going down the road last night with my boyfriend, and I said the cottage is there. It's empty. Is there any chance we could rent it from you? I said, "I'm terribly sorry. I, I'm thinking of selling it." She said, "Well, we're living with our grandparents at the moment, and we're desperate for somewhere to come." I said, "No, I think the time has come for me to sell it. Unfortunately, yeah." Phone goes down. Let's lose that. I said, "Oh, some young girl wanting to rent the cottage." which wasn't the first time someone had said that to us. Two minutes later, phone goes again. Hello, it's me again. McGrand says, how much do you want for it? I thought, well, that's a bit different. <laughs> and we'd had a state, we had and put it on the market, but we'd had a, a brief and we, it was a detached cottage, so we knew next door it was about 130,000. But the estate agent said, say 150 when we put it on and then we'll see where we go from there. So I said, so, oh, it's about 150,000. You know, So okay, she said. Two minutes later, again. My granddad's coming down to the village for his paper. Come and meet you at the cottage and have a look at it? I thought, this is getting a bit serious. <laughs> and I said, okay. I said, you can do. Um, right, she says, oh, by the way, she says, my name's Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie West. I said, oh, all right. She says, my granddad's Harry West. I went, oh, right, you may not know who Harry West is. He's one of the biggest employers, or was, he's d- died sadly now, but he's one of the biggest employers in the village. And he used to put up, he put up our agricultural buildings and made um, agricultural machines and muck spreaders and feeders and everything, and still going, got strong. So in a sense, I knew he had the money straight away. It wasn't a question... <laughs> So I met him and he said, this is, well, cut the long story short. He said, this is going to be a cash sale and negotiating. And we, we negotiated. And um, without any estate agents or anything like that, we got it for about 135, I think. And um, yeah, within about four, five, six weeks, it was all done and dusted. Money in the bank, couldn't believe it. Bank manager turned up then, like, and took 100,000 off me, but that's another story. But it... It just, I was gobsmacked. That conversation it remained me for many years. How God works. Protection. Giving us our daily bread in our lives. It's not the first thing that, uh, well, people who've been in our house group over the years will know that um, we've prayed about the farm and situations over many, many years. But that's just one instance, really, and how God um, speaks to us. So the conclusion's really are what it is of tonight. First of all, when you pray, your personal prayer life. Not if you pray, when you pray. Go into your own closet, your own private space to pray. Open up to God, be honest with him and trust in him and he, and he will for He and ask for your needs and protections as well as worship him. This is what I read yesterday in, in my Bible reading notes, as I said, do it every morning. Ecclesiastes, last verse of Ecclesiastes, for God will bring everything out to judgment including every hidden thing whether good or evil and i thought well yeah you're in your closet in your private thing god will make it known to you amen